Man, I don't know about you guys, um, but it's been a stressful morning. Uh, left my house right on time to get here for setup, which is one of the best serve teams to get involved with, by the way, because I'm there. Alan Ortega's there. Need I say more? Uh, and I went out to my truck and uh, it didn't start up. Hello. Welcome to Sunday morning. We get to church, setting everything up, and our computer that is faithfully cranked up for the last seven years decided it doesn't work today. So that's why we didn't have words. That that lovely background is actually my computer that we're substituting with the other one. So technology is awesome. But you know what? It doesn't really matter. Um, The church existed for generations without technology, thrived without technology. Uh, And it's not about even the uncomfortableness of you not knowing the words. And we apologize for that. That is not what we would typically do. Uh, But I want you to know that none of that matters. There's one thing that does matter. There's one thing that we want to move in and through is that the gospel brings life. And the reason why we exist, the reason why we do this, the reason why we come in and set up every day is because there's those that don't know the gospel. And predominantly, those are not going to be in this room. Most of the ones that are going to enter in this room has some familiarity with the gospel. And so our goal with today and the message that I'm going to share today is we want to get you to look at yourself outside of this room. Yes, we want you to volunteer. Yes, we want you to be a part of REACH. But we want you to act like sheep. And you're like, I know I've preached a sermon where sheep are really dumb. And you're like, Pastor just called us really dumb. I'm not. Based on the text, which we're going to be in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. So you can go there and it's um, sectioned or titled um, the final judgment. You're like, if you're new here, you're like, oh gosh, one of those churches. Am I near an exit row so I can get out of here? It's not that bad. So let me let me just tell you. Um, so as we've been doing this series, uh, I was coming to this place, and I had two or three other texts, and I was planning to preach this week, um, and just I honestly didn't feel like they were for this Sunday, and I, I found this text, um, and I always search through my notes to see, like, man, I, I could have preached this recently, and this was not uh, on purpose. But I preached out of this text, a different message, but I preached out of this text six years ago to the day. Literally, 9, 1, 13. And I remember that Sunday. I don't remember every Sunday that I preach, by the way. You may ask me two weeks from now, that was a great message. And I'm like, yes, it was. (laughs) I may not (laughs) remember it two or three weeks later, but I remember this one. Because uh, at that time, and my son's not here so I can talk about him, he's in kids ministry, Noah, uh, who's eye to eye to me now, but um, six years ago he was nine years old and he was on the front row, because I'm typically sitting on the front row and I think he was sitting with me, and some of you that have been here may remember this sermon specifically, but in the beginning of the sermon I kind of said something funny and he was, he, was say, he was laughing and I was interacting with him a little bit and I thought, hey, this is cute, interacting, there's my son, this is great, well, in the text that we're going to cover today, it has this word naked four times, and he lost it. Like, (laughs) the first time I said naked, he's like, (laughs) he said naked, and like so much so that I had to move him from the front row to sit with his grandparents um, to contain my son, 
And it's it's funny, like it, and this is being all unearthed. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is familiar. And and if you're familiar with this text, um, it it matters. What we do matters. This life that we live matters. And a little disclaimer, and I'm going to pray before we get into the word because there's a, there's a lot of um, stuff that you could get out of this text today that um, I don't want you to get. There's a lot of things that you could feel about this text that I don't want you to feel necessarily. But I do want us to understand that what we do, technology, is this me? What we do matters. How we live our life matters. What we invest in matters. How we manage our finances matter. How we live our life, how we raise our children, all of these things matter. But the thing that matters most is how we relate to this God who creates us. Because we could look at today's text as be like sheep, do the right thing, God will love me. Which is disclaimer, my text today is not going to teach um, this works do not equal salvation. That, that is not what the text is. Because you may hear it, oh yeah, I want to be a sheep, I want to do the right thing, so God will love me. Salvation comes only from Christ's work on the cross. From the beginning of the text to the end of the text, it was from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It has always been our faith that saves us. Now, out of the faith and love and affection and surrender, out of that, we work. Because what we do communicates who we are. And so let me, let me just tell you this. Um, Old Testament. So if you want to look at Old Testament, just kind of the, the quickest way to look at this through the lens of by faith, look at Hebrews 11. Later on, you can read through Hebrews 11, but Hebrews 11 starts with verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their condemnation condemnation. It was by what they did. And you literally go through kind of heroes of the faith after heroes of the faith of what they did. By faith, they did. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Rahab. By faith, they responded to what God was doing by faith. And so we get all the way into the New Testament looking at at the Jesus section of this. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, which is a text that if you don't have memorized or at least you don't have the I need to, if, 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 if ever I feel this compulsion that it's like what I do, this is a great text to just have with you. But Ephesians 2, um, starting in verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of work, so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're His workmanship. He has made us for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So not only has He made us so we could walk into these good works, but He prepared these good works in advance for us just to walk in them. He did that. And so before we get into this text, I need you to understand that the beginning of every work that's going to be considered righteous is going to be started at the right place. Because if you hear me incorrectly, you're going to leave here today trying to do good work so that God will love you. 
religion, all this exterior, into Christianity, which is God changes us. He gives us new life. He makes us new creatures so that we can serve. But there's lots of things that I want us to get to today, so let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning. Lord, we thank you that in spite of a car that wouldn't start and in spite of uh, a computer that doesn't work, Lord, your gospel doesn't need those things. Your word doesn't need those things. And we just ask right now that where we are unable to put words off or to get cars started without jumper cables, Lord, you're able to bring life from you. And so, Lord, as we look at you, you, your words, literally words that you spoke, I pray that we would see them in the right light. That we would see them by the measure of what you've asked us to be as your children. That we would respond. It would be who we are. And that doesn't happen without your transformation. That doesn't happen without the Holy Spirit living in us working through us. So as we listen, Lord, I pray that you would allow the Holy Spirit to teach us how we love you thoroughly by how we live and by how we act. But Lord, the the beginning of that would be our understanding of who you are to us, what you've done for us, that our sacrifice is in, (laughs) is minuscule compared to yours for us. So, Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Matthew 25 is filled with parables, and there's some commentaries that want to take 31 through 36 that it's not really a comment, I mean, not really a parable, but it's literally him telling what is going to be. But there's two other parables leading up to this the parable of the ten virgins and the parable of the talents, which are both. Um, what we do, like in preparation, the parable of the ten virgins or some were prepared waiting for the bridegroom to come and some didn't have enough oil, which I'm not getting into that because it's not today. Uh, some didn't have enough oil and some did. And the ones that did have enough oil, the ones that were prepared were there to go in and celebrate. And the ones that didn't had to go and buy And By the time they got back, they had missed the celebration. And the parable of the talents is, is literally this idea that, that God has given you, not just the parable, that God has given you a talent, a, a, a seed, a, a gift, a, a potential here in this world. And our life is all measured by how we take the talent that God has given us and what we do with it. One buried it and didn't do any other, anything with it, but kept it because he was afraid. So I'm going to keep this talent and then when, when the master comes back, I'm just going to dig out of the ground and give him this thing that I didn't do anything with. And the other two, of course, did something and the master was pleased with what they did because they knew that the master is returning. And that's as we begin verse 1 or verse 31 of this. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. That day is coming. I know it feels like eternity. We're in 2019 right now and, you know, a hurricane looming. <laughs> yeah, coastal city. 
And it, and it feels like it just like it, 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 he's forgotten. Like, when is he coming? And I, I just want to encourage you, which we're going to talk about for in just a second, that he is patient, that he is waiting for his perfect time, just like his perfect time when Jesus would enter the scene came exactly when he needed it to be, when he wanted it to be. His return will be the same. But the key here is that he will return and all of us whether his children or not, will give an account to what we did. Period. Second Peter's 3.9, um, just for those that feel like, oh, when? Second uh, Peter's 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Thank the Lord. Because, you know, it, some of the people, I'm sure, before 1994 wanted Jesus to come back. And if Jesus would have come back before 1994, I wouldn't have been a part of that celebration. 94 is when I said yes to Jesus. I was 18 years old. And I'm grateful that he was slow in not returning then. And there's people in this city, there's people in this world that God is patiently waiting for them to call on his name. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's why our job, that's why we have the opportunity to serve right now. And we cannot delay. We cannot wait for tomorrow. We must get an understanding of who God is in us so that we can today take full advantage of what's going to happen. Because what you're about to see is that the, 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 between the sheep and the goats, the good and the bad, none of them were aware that they were serving or not serving the Lord. So, so those that are waiting like, oh, God's doing this. There are so many opportunities. God's presenting us with opportunities that we get the option, and the opportunity to serve. Listen to this, verse 32. It says, Before Him will gather all the nations. All the nations will gather to Jesus, and He will rightly judge them. And He will separate people one from the other as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goats. And I did read one commentary that said they had to remove the goats from the sheep. And I don't know this, I know we have more educated people than me, and you just got to be careful reading stuff on the internet. Um, but I heard one separate, that you had to separate them because the goats tend to be more aggressive, and they can be a little bit more violent towards the sheep. I don't know whether that's true or not, but that seems like eh, maybe. Okay, uh, don't tell me I'm wrong right now. Um, let's keep moving forward. And he separates the sheep and the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right, which is a place of honor and respect, the right hand, not, you know, that's not a, a knock on any of you lefties out there. Okay, um, on his right hand, but the goats will go on the left and the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, a kingdom that he has been waiting before we ever existed. He has prepared it for us, prepared from the foundation of the world. It's been ready. Verse 35. And now he's going to declare how he made this separation. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me food and I was thirsty and you gave me drink and I was a stranger and you welcomed me and I was naked and you clothed me and I was sick and you visited me and I was in prison and you came to me. 
And here's, they saw a, a literal need and they met it. And there's lots of commentaries that uh, talk about this being uh, literally looking at the end times, like where, where things just get horrible for us. At, at one point, we won't have the luxury that we do have here in the United States. At one point, if we read the Bible and believe the Bible, at one point, our lives are going to become very difficult as we surrender to Jesus. Right now, it's very easy. Like, no one's coming to your house. No one's taking your property. No one's going to, uh, you're not going to lose your job because you're sitting here this morning where there are churches that that is the case, that you never know when someone is going to stand up in the middle of the service and rest you and the leaders of the congregation because you are breaking the law. That's not yet, but this will be. And so there's a lot of talk that these scenarios are things that were actually coming on. The the people who were celebrating who Jesus is, that were getting set, they weren't having food and shelter and all these things because they've been taken to them. And the truth of the sheep was that they loved on these people. In verse 37, it says, And the righteous will answer, saying, That's right, I did it all. I'm awesome. That's not what it says. It says, and the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did you, when did we see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or when, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, truly, truly, I say to you, what you do, what you did to one of the least of these, my brothers. So this, There's a lot of debate on what this is talking about. Most people would lean towards this is God saying how you treated my people. So this isn't, hey, we just need to treat Christians well, because there's lots of verses that we are to love the world. Jesus demonstrated that. But here, this is literally talking how you treated each other. How you treated my brothers, you did to me. So what you did to the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. So the way we serve a living God that we cannot see is by serving those who are here. See, this was not targeted at loving each other, period. This was just like, this is who they are. And this is what we're getting at. When, when God begins to transform our life, it, it affects who we are. We, we naturally, they, they weren't sitting there twiddling their thumbs thinking, oh, we got to wait. Like, this is what God wants me to do. They just saw a need and met it because they were clueless that this was the Lord that they were serving. They had no idea. Them being unaware of their good deeds helped identify their motives that they were pure and good. See, Matthew isn't saying people who do good things will go to heaven. Rather, he is saying or telling us that good things are the evidence of true discipleship and genuine faith. It is what comes out of us, naturally, not forced. Because we see in other texts where people who did good things, meaning they prophesied, they healed the sick, they they did all these things that we would look at and go, they're a blood-bought saint of the Lord, and there's a conversation that God has with them that says, I don't know you. See, out of who we are, the fruit of what we do is what shows the world and God. And here's the beauty. If you're faking it, God is not confused. (laughs) 
we may like eat it up being like, man, they are. And you see this all the time. Where you're like, man, they are the best people in the world. And then one day something happens, like their car doesn't start and the computer doesn't work and they throw it out the window. And you're like, ooh, they're crazy. I felt like that a little bit this morning. People were kind of talking to me. and I was like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but uh, like stress is, um, is something that I do. I, I manage to a point and then it just is there. So I had like a committee of people that were don't talk to him. <laughs> Leave him be. <clears throat> and so we go all through there. So there, there's the sheep. And then we go into 41. It says, then he will say to those on the left, which is the goats, depart from me. You cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Because I guarantee you they thought we're doing the job. They're, they're, they're like, what are you talking about? Like, when did we not do this? And then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. See, what's interesting about this, and you can't you can't over you can't squeeze all theology out of every verse. So, you know, it's not universal. But what's interesting about this is not one single sinful deed was given for the reason for their punishment. It wasn't a list of these evil, wicked things that they did. They could have been moral people. They could have been doing the right thing, but missing the heart of God, which is terrifying. See, we're dealing with a different kind of sin, the sin of omission. Do you know that you can sin just by not doing something? I mean, if you thought you had it hard before, you're like, man, I should struggle with sin, period. And then you find out it's a sin when I don't do the thing that I should be doing. Yeah, that's scary. And here, here's the beauty of the gospel. Sin should scare us in a sense of how it affects us. It, it should be like you should be aware of how desperately in need you are for Jesus. Let me just volunteer this to everyone. Desperately aware of my need for Jesus. Everywhere. I mean, like, I didn't lose it this morning, but like, why did I let that bother me? Why did I spend, you know, like, I'm, I'm literally stressed out because of no reason. Desperately in need. And here's the beauty that text like this can do for us. It can expose our need. So that we can expose our desire for that need to be met. See, we've got to understand that there's nothing that you can do. See, if you're looking like, well, tell me how to be a good sheep. Because I want to be like a sheep. Because I want to go to the eternal good place. And not the eternal bad place. When the reality is, it's, it's surrendering. It's understanding that you cannot. If you came in this, if you walk into any church just going, tell me what to do, you've missed the point. It's more, tell me who to be. Because I, I want to be who God's called me to be, which is a child that needs help. 
If you have children, small children, they, they they don't question that it's your role to provide and care for them. Because they're a child. They're not like dinner time. They're not like, I know parents, hard day, I got you. Like, I'm going to go in here, I'm going to get dinner for all of us. And then after dinner, I'm going I'm to clean the kitchen. I'm going to wash the dishes. I'm going to do it. They don't because they completely understand that they are in need of a parent. And we need to be completely in the know that we're in need of a Savior, even as Christians. That every day, that's what fuels us. The most dangerous thing that you can do is begin to believe that you can do this alone. It will destroy you. It will take away the power that this loving God is trying to do by surrendering himself to the cross to forgive you by by you saying, and Paul does this with people that are like, you need to be circumcised to be saved. And he tells them, why don't they just go ahead and emasculate themselves all, period. And he tells them, you foolish people, that what God began in the spirit, you're trying to perfect in the flesh. And and this is what I'm saying. This isn't a perfected flesh. This is a surrendered soul. This is a surrendered person who's going, God, I just want to be available for you. Because the good and the bad person did not know One, the good, that they did the right thing. And two, the bad, didn't know they did the wrong thing. They were clueless. And the truth this morning is, is the more we surrender ourselves to God, the more we naturally do the thing that He desires. Because we understand our need. Tim Keller has this kind of religion versus kind of the truth of Christianity has this phrase that says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. And I believe that half of, Christ, half, of, half of American Christianity lives like that. I obey, therefore I'm accepted, versus the truth, which is I am accepted, therefore I obey. Out of that acceptance is where we act like sheep. Not out of a desire to prove our love to God. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 11, I mean 17 through 21. And this is some of these verses you're going to be very familiar with. But listen to this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Verse 18, all this is from God. Amen. All of it's from God. If you're better, like... Honestly, if Ryan is saying, oh man, two years ago to now, all of that is God working in him. And I would love to take the credit. I'd love to go, yes, it is our church. We are awesome. You should all join today. Yes. But truth is, if God does anything in you, if you are experiencing life change, it comes from him. All this is from him who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, which is crazy. So he he makes us right with him and then he gives us this job that he did. I was listening to a book the other day and it was talking about the, the greatest things that we will do. All the things that Jesus did were before his resurrection, but before really a true understanding of what salvation is. And we get to participate in seeing people come to life in Christ. 
I would love to raise the dead. I would love to heal the blind. But the miracle is someone going from death to life in their soul. Because all the other things, you, you can go to heaven blind. You can go to heaven without a body. You can go to heaven with all these things. But without Christ, we're missing that. And he, give, he gives us that. In verse 19 it says, That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors. We talked about this last week. About Jesus washing people's feet. What, pe- what Jesus' people look like is this. A humble, surrendered child. That's what it looks like. And he's saying the same thing through the sheep. Is This is what my people look like. It's not what made them my people, but it's what they look like. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Let me just tell you, if this morning other things have happened in your world that make you feel like you're out of control, like your car didn't start and you got in a little word argument. See, the great thing about most of the time that you guys have to enter into, and this sounds kind of negative, I don't see my wife in the morning because I leave before she's up, and usually... I see her for like a few minutes before service starts. You had all morning with each other. And you're here. Good job. Good job. You had all morning. See, in him we get to be what he's called us to be. And, and if that's you, th- this is what it's saying. If, if your world's crazy and things are going on and you don't feel like you should be or that you are, here's the truth. For our sake, he made him to be sin. He did what we could not. There was no crucifixion that you could get on that would save your soul or anyone else's. It had to be Jesus who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Right now, in spite of this morning, if you are a child of God, you are his righteousness. You have his Righteousness. That's what drives my brain crazy. Honestly, most of the time I struggle internally because I don't feel worthy enough to declare that I am. I don't walk around the house. I sure don't wake up in the morning and kiss my wife with stinky morning breath and go, how did it feel to sleep next to the righteousness of Christ? But the truth is, because of what Jesus did in us, that's what we get the opportunity to be. Look, I wish I could give you the top ten things to make you the best sheep ever. And that that top ten things, if you did those things, that you would be guaranteed eternal life with the Father, that he would be pleased to have you there. And there isn't. There's, just like Hebrews 11, read Hebrews 11, by faith you believe jesus in spite of what it looks like right now in spite of what your world is looking like you're trusting jesus 
See, what no one can argue with is that there was a man named Jesus who lived. There's no argument there. And and we have text about this man that are within 30 years of his life. Pieces of these words here that we can trust that Jesus was who he is. And there's so much more. This isn't for me to give you all this information. There's so much information that you can be secure in who Jesus is. And then your part is having faith that he is who he is. And that he will do what he's promised to do. But you have to live in that place. The only way we're going to be good sheep is living in that place of surrender. Of going, God, I need you. I guarantee you those people, goodness flowed out of them because they were closely connected to the Father. Not because of their personal righteousness. I'm going to invite our worship team up. And we're going to have words for this. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have words for this song. We intentionally build our services like this. Because I understand that there's people in this room right now that are struggling. That, like Ryan said, you know, you could have been like sitting in the parking lot. I'm not going to go. I don't want to go. Why am I here? There could be all these things going on in your life that would convince you otherwise. And the reason why we put a song at the end, because I want you to sit and reflect. I want you to struggle through what's going on internally, because the the most opportune time for you to do something about what God is asking, what God is speaking to you, what God is moving in your heart is right now. And so as we go into this last song here, here's my here's my plea. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on, but you do. And my plea to you is to stop believing the lie, the enemy that whispers in your ear that you will never, you don't deserve it. He would never love you. And let me just tell you, every time you think that, read the New Testament. Every single person that he ministered to were the outcast. It was scandalous for him to even interact with them. And, and he got down on their level. He, he touched their disease, and he loved them. So wherever you're at, whatever's going on, whatever you're struggling with, my, my, my encouragement this morning is to do one thing and then repeat that one thing the rest of your life, surrender. Salvation isn't an event that happens one day. It isn't just this like, yes, I love Jesus. It, it, is, it is us continually surrendering to Jesus. It's not this, oh, when I was 12, I did this one thing, and that's who I am. No, 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 who you are is where you surrender. And so if you're surrendered to the wrong place, if if you're looking and trusting in things that aren't providing what you need, look to the source. And His name is Jesus. He is the one who is reconciling the world to Himself. And the beauty is that today, if today was your day, that you're like, I am, I've been lost, I've been out there doing my own thing, and today God did something to you, God could immediately 
This, he gives us as ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, that he can immediately begin to use you to do that. Some of the most effective people in evangelism are those who've just met Jesus. Because they're excited about who he is. They're, they're not afraid because he has cleansed them. He has healed them. And so as we close, as I pray right now, I just ask, whatever's going on in your life, take a minute and just say, God, I need you. Like, this is what I need. And be honest. You don't have to speak in King James. You don't have to use words that you don't ever use. You, you can speak your words. And the beauty is, as they're coming out of your head, as they're being formed in your mind, he knows what they are. He knows your heart. And just God, say, God, here I am. And as we have worship, we're going to have uh, people up here. So if you need prayer, people to stand with you in agreement and love on you through that moment, come. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we just thank you that your word shows us, tells us, that we can have you by faith alone. That your grace is Enough in this morning, regardless of where we feel we should be or where we think we are, Lord, we just ask you to now, in this moment, let us know exactly what we need to do this morning. Lord, I pray for that, that, that pride that wants to keep us in this place of going, I can do it, I don't, I don't need help, like I don't want to burden him. Lord, I, I pray that there would be a divine release of the things that we're aggressively holding on to. And then our words this morning would be, I trust you and I surrender. And so, Lord, as we worship, Lord, I pray that you would do in us what we are unable to do ourselves, which is to show us your heart, make us into new creatures, and give us new life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.